All right, let's start today in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, there in your Old Testament. Psalm 19. You know, there are so many different ways to both deliver and to hear the Word of God. Uh, there are times when uh, the emotion, you might say, or the energy of the presentation is part of the God's method of delivery, you might say, the media that carries it. But then there's so many times that the communication of the Bible, the words of God, in such a manner that they're not just merely entertaining or you know, occupying time. And let's be honest, many times, especially among Bible believers, many times it is common to attend a service, to attend a meeting, and you're really hoping it'll be a good content matter and a good presentation and all that. But it's, it's not necessarily that you're in your mind ready to get something, receive something. And yet sometimes God will sneak up on you. This is kind of, this subject is that. You probably, if, if you uh, later go and listen to it online, uh, you'll see that the title kind of give it away. But there are times when... I picture from reading my Bible, there are times when we deliver the Word of God. We administer, we minister it. Do not let the world or even apostate Christianity take away the words of your Bible, of your King James Bible, where he says he was a minister. That is, forget that people you know, act a certain way, dress a certain way. We are supposed to be ministers. We're supposed to minister the Word, put it out. But we're supposed to put it out in a way that does minister to people. So we are not supposed to purposely hinder the Bible. Many times the Lord Jesus Christ would be with His disciples and other people around and He would be teaching them. And He would be ministering the Word to them. He would be training them, especially in the context of the fact that there were so many things that that the Pharisees had said that were in contradiction to what he was saying. They were traditions that had been developed during those 400 silent years. And then God saves Saul of Tarsus, who is versed deeply in the Old Testament Scriptures, which were the only Scriptures existing at the time. And he does the same. He said he went house to house. It wasn't knocking on doors. There's not a thing awry or wrong with knocking on doors, but he was literally ministering it to people personally. That touch has, has gone away in, quote, church building. And many a pastor feels like, you know, it's not above, not below them or they're above it, but not worthy of their time to do it. But if you've ever gone somewhere where you were trying to get the gospel into as many places as possible, you will find, say, as missionary work or church planning, you'll find that it's one of the best ways there is. Now, a counterfeit of it is home groups where uh, someone who might not even be very versed in their Bible, but they've got a little bit of a personality or they got a little bit of ambition. They want to have a group. But the idea of a small group together being taught the Bible is biblical. The idea is biblical. Now, I'm saying all that to say that today I want to approach it as we're here. I want to approach it as one of those times when we were learning something and at the same time, it's preaching to us, warning us, uh, telling us, beware, okay? So Psalm 19, it starts off with the witness 
of nature. Okay? It moves into, in verse 7, the words of God. And at verse 14, it's our worship. Worship by me. I wrote in, in the margin of this copy I'm using this year. So the witness of nature is the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The witness of nature. The witness of nature is all around us. Now, if you live primarily in a city, or you do primarily minister the Word of God in, in church buildings and to people and meetings and all that, it's easy to lose sight of the witness of nature. And then he moves into the words of God. What is he, uh, and their power, etc. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. This is has been put to a scripture song. Many of you probably heard it. And I'm no great musician or no musician. It goes a bit like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And what it does, it drops down to for the chorus to verse 10. It goes... More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And it goes, you know, verse 8, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Verse 11. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in... Moreover by them is thy servant warned, is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. And then he says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. This is one of those passages to me that's it's a, a, it's a wonderful passage. Verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. That thing's been put to a little other tune. One of the fellows that got saved years ago from that started with uh, witnessing on the streets. This was every time we'd ask for a scripture song or song, this was his. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. And so our subject matter, verse 13, is presumptuous. Presumptuous. You could say presumptuousness. Now you're going to maybe be surprised that there are some references to this in your Bible. You say, well, what is presumptuous? Well, it's not assuming, it's presuming upon. You say, well, what, 
What are some I, what are some ways we can picture presumptuous? Blind, headstrong, confidence, arrogance, supposition of the truth or real existence of something without direct or positive proof of the fact, grounded on circumstantial or probable evidence, high-minded. These are all from Webster's and from an English thesaurus. No need for original manuscripts. In fact, you try to go to the originals, you won't find this connection. You'll find them explaining some of it away, believe it or not. But this psalm, and it says in your preface, Psalm of David, this, this David psalm here, this witness of nature, words of God, worship by the words. In the middle of this, the Old Testament teaches us the dangers of presumption. So presumption and presumptuousness is something that we need to be aware of. And he, he even says, keep me from it. Oh, Lord, when I'm getting presumptuous, you know, uh, tap me on the back of the head or whisper in my ear. And, you, now, I don't understand people who brag about being hard-headed. I don't. Or headstrong. I don't. Having a disciplined, strong will is not being headstrong. It's just being a good soldier of Jesus Christ with your, your will submitted. Your headstrong is, 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 an, is a, a direct offense to God Almighty. In your Bible, it's amazing what God does to work on people's lives. And so there are times when people were making appeals to God because someone had presumed upon him or they wanted to keep from presuming upon him. Now, why is that so important? Let's look at a few references. Grab your Bible in your hand and go to Exodus 21. Let's just look at the context of so many of these things. Exodus 21. Exodus 21, verse 12, He that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall feel. flee. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from my altar that he may die. Numbers 15, while we're saying some comments here. So, when we think of these matters, we realize that this thing of presumptuously, what is, what is he presuming? He's presuming he can get away with it. He's presuming that he's got a good enough reason to do this to this person. That he can just go out and, and for several different reasons in his own mind do it. That's presumptuous. He's presuming he's not going to get caught. He's presuming he's right. And this is really important. Look at Numbers 15. Numbers 15, verse 30. But the soul that doeth aught presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he hath despised the word of the Lord, hath broken his commandment, that soul shall, be, shall utterly be cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. The Lord says... When you begin to do things, and perhaps you're doing it and you think, well, I have my own reason. And the Lord says, yeah, but this is against my rules. 
You know, Bible believers, we're in danger of that. You're in danger of knowing enough Bible to, as the old timers would say, to hang yourself. You got enough rope to hang your own self because you think you can justify it. But there's no way to justify it. So in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 43, So I spake unto you, and ye would not hear, but rebelled against the command of the Lord, and went presumptuously up into the hill. So when Joshua and Caleb brought back the good report, the ten spies brought back the bad report, they pleaded with them, they said, we ought to just stone you too, you're going to get us all killed. Then God delivered the judgment through Moses, and then the next day the people were like, oh, this is going to be bad, we'll go. And the Lord said, no, I already told you, you can't go. You know, there were places that Paul was forbidden of the Holy Ghost, it says in Acts 16, to preach. So this thing of being presumptuous, of being blinded. <laughs> and blind doesn't mean you can't see. It means you can't see beyond what you want. Or headstrong, or arrogant, or supposition, without direct or positive proof, grounded on circumstantial, probable, that is grounded on things that are are circumstantial or, or perhaps not even proven, just probable, and then high-minded. All right, Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17, verse 12. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth the minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die. Thou shalt put away the evil from Israel and the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. God is warning us and warning them, warning us through them, written for our admonition, 1 Corinthians says, 10. Look at chapter 18, one page over, verse 22. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. We'll throw this in here, it's not even in my notes, but it's always in the back of my mind, this thought. Beware what you tell people will happen, like if they don't do right, or they don't live for God, or they don't do this or that. If there's not clear scripture that in every case that's what's going to happen to somebody, be careful. Do you know there are people that do wrong and they don't suffer from it in this life? There are many times people do wrong and they don't suffer in this life. They enjoy those pleasures of sin for a season. And if you're not careful, in order to try to get somebody not to do something or to warn them, you'll stretch what God didn't even say and you'll speak presumptuously. As if God said it. Here we are in November 2023, Thanksgiving week. And what are we, what are we thinking about? A lot is in uh, people's minds in the news is all that's going on, you know, with Israel. And the problem is God's aim for Israel is not earthly victory. It's faith. We need to embrace what Paul said. Do we count them enemies? No, they're enemies of the gospel, yes. But they're not our enemies. But God's purpose isn't so that they can have that land and continue to disobey God. You should see the number of the percentages of people who are basically agnostic in the land of Israel right now. 
So God is not partial towards them. You say, well, he has to be because he said he'd be. Really? Uh, so then why did God orchestrate the destruction of the most magnificent, magnificent structure ever built, the Temple of Solomon? He doesn't care about buildings. Why did God have them carried away into other lands outside of the land that he had for them? Mark this down. God said, this is your land. The world can have all the rest of it. He didn't tell the Jew to go out and conquer the rest of the world financially, for example, or in the art world, or etc. Their scattering was because they rejected the Lord. That's not us criticizing them. That's not even that's not in any way, not in any way being anti-Semitic, Israelic, or Jewish. It's saying that they and God have a problem. Our prayers should focus on that problem. Second Peter chapter two. We've got just a few little points written down here, but I'd like to lay this groundwork first. And then you will have had your exercise of your sword drill. Second Peter chapter 2 second peter 2 so does this thing have anything to do with the new testament and with the latter days well let's look second peter chapter 2 okay verse 9 the lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, and then but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. Now, I say this to you. It does not matter if someone's a so-called conservative, right-wing, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter how they approach it. It's how should we approach it. We are not to speak to despise government. We're not. It doesn't mean you have to enjoy and like and embrace everything that comes to do with taxes and laws. But laws are necessary. You yourself prove laws are necessary by your attitude. There's no telling what you'd do if you thought you could get away with it. And all in the guise of your independent life. No, you keep going. It's anarchy. And I don't care what... The, listen, I loved, admired, still do the good doc. But that part of what was propagated wasn't right, biblically. And I know missionaries that took that to, to that extreme listening... And that they never even got to the mission field because of that. It is not compromising to obey a government. If you stop preaching because of that, that's different. But there's so many petty, uh, inconvenient things that have to do with governing people. He says, they walk after the flesh and lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Why is it okay for you to speak of a current president, whoever it is, by his first last name only or a nickname, but you don't want them doing that about the president you like and want to have in? That he should here receive the title 
even when he's not the president right now. You say, well, you're putting him down. Not at all. I'm saying let's get ourselves back in line with God. We are to be the safest example of a citizen. Presumptuous. Presumptuous. Why is that so important? It's important because there are so many doctrines and teachings in our Bible that we have to be careful. Romans 11. Romans 11. We have to be very careful we don't let this thing of the flesh creep into our thinking and our life. Romans chapter 11. Romans 11. <laughs> and if you if you will, while you're doing it, just grab another passage of Scripture, 1 Timothy 6. Romans 11, 1 Timothy 6. Romans chapter 11. Now in Romans 11, he's going through the fact that Israel is temporarily, between them and God, cast off. By the way, we did a thing on, you know, what's the problem in the Middle East? We did two parts. It comes down to, and you'll if you decide to study it, it's all about the world and God. And if you're not careful, you buy into the fact that it's about the world and the Jew. It is not. It's the world against God, Psalm 12, Psalm 2. I'm not going to redo the whole thing here. But that's the issue. And child of God, if you're not careful, you're going to buy into all this. Well, you know, the Jew was there before the so-called Palestinians. Yeah, but do, do you not know your Bible? And I'm saying it somewhat rebuking. Abraham wasn't born in. Abraham's family didn't have what's called the promised land, the place that God wanted the Jews to settle originally. And when, they, when it was time for them to have it, they had to go in and run the people out. They could have left voluntarily. Philistines, Amorites, Hittites, blah, blah, blah. They could have left. So yes, the Jew took it by force. But it was God behind it. The problem that everybody has is with the Lord. And you need to leave it at that and pray for them. And you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? They've got to receive their Messiah. Do you not, do you not understand what the tribulation, great tribulation are going to be all about? Do you not understand that God cared so little about buildings and temples, even rebuilt ones, that He let them destroy it? So please, don't be like those people. So in verse chapter 11, now this is a whole doctrine in itself, by the way, great doctrine of grafting in, great study. We've done some stuff ourselves on it that because it's such a blessing to understand what's going on. It helps you straighten out your doctrine. You don't end up on the left. You don't end up on the right. You don't end up in the one ditch. You don't end up in the other ditch. We're grafted into it. It's a whole tree to God. And we weren't grafted in. He didn't break Israel off one branch of it. In other words, a time period. He didn't break it off for our sakes. Okay? Verse 17 of Romans 11 for time. If some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Wrong. Watch. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not 
high-minded, but fear. One of your synonyms for presumptuous is high-minded. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. So Simon Peter uh, writes, judgment must begin where? At the house of God. By the way, you never take the wild and graft it in to the good. You take a good fruit-bearing type of branch and you graft it into the wild that's hardier and can survive on its own because you want the properties. So it was contrary to nature, he said there in that passage, Romans 11. 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy. Chapter 6, rather. 1 Timothy 6. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Watch. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So, what is one of the dangers that could lead to presumptuousness, high-mindedness? What is it? Riches. Now, I understand all about, personally, living hand-to-mouth. I do. I understand that a person is not less of a person or a Christian in God's eyes if they're living hand-to-mouth. I do. I don't think a person is less. In fact, they might be more in God's sight if they're a tradesman, turning wrenches, fixing plumbing, all that kind of stuff. Okay? So I think it's very important for us to get that in our minds and understand it. What we've got to do <clears throat> is understand that we have to be very careful not to get presumptuous on God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, you know it in verse 1 it says, the last days perilous times shall come. Verse 2, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Look at verse 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Let's say your pleasure is not sinful in itself. Not the pub. It's not sensual. It's not reveling and banquetings. Okay? If you're not careful, you can love hunting, men, fishing, golfing, whatever. What is today? Pickleball more than you love God. And what you do when you do it is a sign of whether you're presumptuous. Many, many years ago, many years ago, I was in a town out west. It was Las Vegas preaching at a church there. I was not doing anything else but there for that. And it was my very first time there. And I walked in the office of one of the associate pastors and there behind him was a beautiful mount of an animal he'd killed. And immediately the pastor started telling me what time he said, yeah, I killed that thing about, you know, 820 or something on a Sunday morning, blah, 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 in such a place in the Northwest. It was a big, beautiful animal. And I thought to myself, <laughs> an old time joke where a pastor got really, you know, hung up on golf. And so one day he decided to have his, his associate preach and he was going to go golf. Beautiful day, beautiful morning. I mean, there's just those mornings that's so good, wonderful to be out there with the grass mown and you're in nature and all that. There was a company years ago that started a too good policy. T-O-O-G-O-O-D, too good. You didn't have to fib or lie or cheat or whatever and say you were sick or this or that. As long as your work was caught up, you'd call in and say, hey, it's just too good a day to work, and you could go golfing, fishing, whatever, and their productivity soared. 
So for him, it was it, this this pastor was too good a day to pass up, and he goes out and he plays a few holes, and he gets to this par three, and he hits a really nice shot, and it hits a couple feet in front of the cup, rolls up, boom, it disappears. He's all by himself. It's Sunday morning. He should be preaching. He's ex- he's so excited, and one of the angels turns to the Lord and says, "I thought." You might try to teach him a lesson out of this. He said, oh, I did. I did. He said, well, what's a lesson? You gave him a hole in one. He said, just watch. After a minute or so, that pastor realized, I can't tell anybody. Because this would be a horrible testimony. (laughs) That I missed church to golf. Now, that's not a legalistic thing. It's an illustration. If it don't apply to you, just let it go right on down by you. Take the fish, leave the bones. But people with basic doctrines, people with a hold on doctrine, okay? Uh, I was joking with a past a preacher recently. Uh, it was Sunday morning, and I was texting him to find out where he's preaching, and he was actually in a deer blind, <laughs> okay? But he wasn't going to miss church, all right? Uh, and, and I'm sure he allowed that he wouldn't want his truck or whatever to get stuck, and if he shot something, he'd be able to hide it until he got back so the coyotes wouldn't get it, whatever. But we were joking about it. Because wouldn't it be horrible for the Lord to look down and go, I, I, I would bless you, but why are you presuming upon me? I know fellows that preach. It's nothing wrong. Listen, nothing wrong with preaching a message you've preached before. D.L. Moody said, the man who won't repeat a message out of pride because he wants to stay unique or original Shouldn't be preaching. But he said the man who's too lazy to pre- prepare a new one and trust God to use it should also not be preaching. I, I think there's some real wisdom. Well, Moody had a lot of good down-home wisdom. A lot of guys, if you're not careful, you get presumptuous. You just assume God's going to bless. You assume he's going to bless because he blessed that message. I've, I believe with all my heart there's no such thing as great messages. There are great truths. God will use the format of a message delivered. But those who get to counting on the message and the form of it and all that, I think it's been a great mistake in our kind of Christianity through the years. Presumptuous on security. Presumptuous on our standing. Presumptuous on safety. Everything I can find about Job said he was not presumptuous. So it can still happen to us. But you know who was presumptuous? His three friends were presumptuous. Job's three friends were so presumptuous because they figured, they thought, well, you know, we're not suffering. So it must be that he's just not right with God. Boy, that's presumptuous. Man, you talk about getting out there. In John 9, where he said, who did sin, this man or his parents? He said, no one did. This for the glory of God. Four things. Four things. In these verses we've looked at, there are other cross-references we could run. But I think we've established it. Presumptuous. Lord, keep me from presumptuous sins. You could make your own list of them. Do you know what might be presumptuous on your part might not be on somebody else's part. But I, I, I like, I personally keep track of things that I'm in danger of being presumptuous about. So four things quickly. These are just going to go fast. Number one, Israel had a cycle of presumption upon the Lord. Uh, I got a message I'll preach soon out of out of Judges, been studying in Judges, and boy, I tell you, if ever if ever it's a, it's an example of presumptuousness, but they did it a lot. Okay, 
It's just that that particular book and time period shows us there was no king in Israel, and so every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And Israel had a cycle of presumptuousness. You know, God's promise to Abraham, it came to pass, it was a miracle, and for hundreds now, thousands of years, they presumed upon. Christian, be careful. I think some of y'all are presuming upon God when you say, well, they're going to win, they're going to win. They might not win right now. I hope they do. I hope all that murdering and slaughtering stops. Do you know this? If a person wanted to take Bible knowledge and really mess with Christians, that person would point out what God told Israel to do when they conquered the promised land. What He told them to do with men, women, and children. That's scary, isn't it? See, only God knows that. Now, don't you presume. I, be careful. In this age of arming everybody, especially the United States of America, okay? Everybody wants to be armed and all that kind of stuff, and they'll pry my gun out of my cold, dead hand. Do you really want to be so presumptuous that you go to heaven because you got in a gun battle over nothing? Do you know in the Old Testament you couldn't shoot somebody that didn't have guns? You couldn't shoot them with a bow and arrow. You couldn't stab them with a sword. For many, many different crimes, you couldn't do it. It wasn't right. It wasn't equitable in God's mind. In God's mind. We've got to get back to this book, Christian. Turn the stupid radio, television, uh, Facebook, YouTube, podcast. Turn it off. You won't miss nothing. You could listen for five minutes once a week and stay up to date. It's like soap operas. <laughs> Number two. David had a concern about presumption. So if David, a man after God's own heart, had a, had a concern about presumption, Israel had a cycle of it, David had a concern about it. Why is that? Because when you're really plugged into God, when you're really well-versed in the things of God, when you're getting blessings from God, when your intention is to walk with Him, you can get presumptuous. There's all kinds of examples. Uh, you take the one, when they wanted to bring the ark back into the right place, into town, they presumed that as long as they were doing it with the right attitude, it'd be okay. So what did they do? They made a new cart and they put it on it. But God had said, don't take it on a cart. You say, why? Well, number one, he said, don't. Number two, you know the safest, most effective way to carry, move something from one place to another, especially over terrain, is on the shoulders of four men, one on each end. Because they will instinctively move and keep it level, and that cart cannot do it. If you've ever not secured a load or seen somebody, I had a fellow tell me the other day a church gave this other church a piano. Nice piano. And they loaded that thing, and the fellow sat in the back. To just stabilize it. They didn't think they need anything more than that. One of those upright ones. You you picture already what's happening, right? He turned a corner, what got to got to not thinking about what he's doing, turned a corner like he normally would, almost threw the pastor out, threw the piano out. Those things are under so much pressure, all those strings and boards, and that thing went off like a bomb. Took him forever just to get all the bits and pieces of metal out of the road. Presumption. David had a concern 
about presumption. I think it's good for us. You Listen, Bible believers are so far the best I've seen, some of the worst. In my last 50 years of being around them, some of the worst about presumption. They presume that if I've got the correct Bible, I'm a King James Bible believer. If i got the right Bible, if I believe it, I know my doctrine, I can tell you the mysteries and I can tell you the divisions and the covenant. If I've got that, then God's pleased with my life. And I can have any old attitude I want. Now, now watch. I've known men of God. You take Doc. He could get away with something that y'all can't. That is totally between him and God when he gets there. But I've seen so many young fellows copy that part of him, the presumptuous part. I don't presume that I can get away with any of that stuff. I don't figure I'm that important to God that I can just be presumptuous, high-minded, headstrong, blind. If God's dealing with you with something, you need to have that soft spirit. When he said, be not as a horse or a mule which have no understanding. See, there's some that do have understanding. He said, don't be as the one that has no understanding whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle lest they come near unto you. What, what do you mean come near unto you? They'll bite you. They'll charge you. I was working a stallion for a pastor. Big old gray Arabian horse, stallion. And uh, they had just given him his way too long. He was older too. He should have known better, this horse. But they'd just been spoiling him. I'm out there lunge roping him and the next thing I know, he decides to turn at me and come head on. He learned that wasn't very wise. He said, did you hurt him, abuse him? No, I thumped him right there in the nose. Like other horses do with each other, I thumped on those. And he's like, oh, oh, that's right. You human, I'm the horse. And it only took a matter of weeks to get him where the fellow could ride him again. But you know what will happen if they go to spoil him again? That horse will get presumptuous. And then thirdly, so not only did they have a cycle of presumption, and did David have a concern, but Paul warned of a culture of presumption. One of the main passages of that is, of course, Hebrews 11, high-minded. You do find people with this, you know, a replacement theology and all that. And by the way, just ignore them and keep moving on for God. There's not that much time left in this life. But when I talk to you about that thing of presumption, remember what he said about them. He said they, are, they chiefly walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Listen, we have to be careful of things like capitalism. We looked at the verse. We have to be careful of people with riches getting high-minded and thinking that riches are a sign that you're right. That riches are a sign that you know what you're doing. The rich have a tendency to do that. Rich nations have a tendency. The United States is a rich nation. Many of us, compared to the rest of the world, are rich. We're rich compared to them. So what we've got to do is we've got to understand that we need to not get high-minded about it. You know, the church is in danger constantly of presumption. For example, churches take the gifts of men that God gave for granted, pastors and preachers. There's some churches that think they're just going to go out and find them another preacher. Now look, you might need another one. I get it. I get that. I do. I, I'm like Brother Wood. I, I don't know that there's near as many men called to preach as go around saying they are. You say, well, brother, you just made yourself open. Yeah, I did. I did. 
Because you know, you know something? I don't want to deliver the Word of God. I don't want to take up people's time and effort or influence them unless I'm doing what God wants. If I'm not doing what God wants, I need to not do that with my time and effort and energy. I need to stay in my lane. If I'm supposed to do it, then woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. But at the same time, we have a culture of presumption. The United States of America is perhaps the worst about it. Perhaps. They presume that, you know, this is a Christian nation. It never, ever, ever was. It did have a good start to allow freedom of it. But it was never a Christian. There is no nation on earth but God's people who are considered peculiar and holy and a royal priesthood. None. In fact, when a nation begins to think that they're special, in the vast majority of cases, it's their downfall. That was the downfall of England. Was God was blessing them. They weren't a Christian nation, but He was blessing them. Listen, just ask the people that were in the Salvation Army and would get stoned and hit with brick bats and stuff. Ask them if England was a holy nation, a Christian nation. No, they were not. And that would take... That's not our subject here. I'm not going to do your study for you. But I will say this. Presumption and a culture of presumption is deadly in our personal life, in our families, in our homes, in our community life, as in other Christians, and in our churches. Take these verses. Mark them. Mark Psalm 19, which I hope you read every month because you're reading through the Psalms. Mark those things. When God says to you, you tend to be a bit presumptuous in this area, jot it down, stick it in the front of your Bible and, and just keep it in there and go, Lord, uh, help me not be presumptuous about this. I know fellows in ministry right now, I could give you their names and I pray for them. I pray for them a lot. But they get really presumptuous about God's blessing. And they get very presumptuous. And they even start believing what people tell them. Don't do that. People are Good people are always going to be more gracious than God is really using us. <laughs> Take the honey and, and eat it. That's great. But don't eat so much that it makes you sick. Presumptuous. May God help us to to cooperate with the Lord and to work with the Lord and help Him to keep us from presumptuous sins and for them not to have dominion over us. Psalm 19, 13. Father, pray you use these thoughts. We commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.